Hey guys, this is Ralph Macchio. Hey, what's up y'all? This is William Zabka. You're listening to Cobra Kai Companion, the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Cobra Kai Companion, and I am Peter. And I'm Tom. And welcome to any new listeners we might have picked up, but Tom, here we are, season two. Finally. 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 It's been a year. Oh, almost a year. Almost a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so today's episode, we are going to be reviewing, with spoilers, uh, episode one of season two, titled Mercy Part Two. Uh, you know, before we get into it, you know, there's probably going to be a lot of people that have maybe never heard our show before. Uh, hopefully we have some returning listeners as well. But, um, you know, I guess just a little rundown. We are just two guys who love the show. Uh, you know, Tom, you love the first movie. I, you know, enjoy most of the movies. Um, mm -hmm. And we thought that season one was so meaty that we decided to kind of break down every single episode. So uh, this will be no different with season two. No, no, it'd be kind of irresponsible for us to not do the same this year, wouldn't you say? I, I think we're just following the footsteps of those of the big three. You know, if it ain't broke, why fix it? Bingo. Exactly. So, you know, we're going to have some some tweaks here and there, and we'll talk about those, at, you know, when we get to those points. But for the most part, we are just going to kind of do what we did in the um, uh, with the season one reviews. But um, let's talk about the anticipation here of season two, Tom. You know, the, the first season, it dropped May 2nd of 2018. Here we are. Uh, this This season, it dropped April 24th, 2019. What was mm -hmm. your evening like that night? Uh, well, it was just uh, keeping an eye on the clock and uh, making sure that my YouTube account was paid up. You know, yeah. and then uh, all of a sudden it was game time. Yeah, mine's on auto. You know, I, um, you know, for those that don't know, we have interviewed uh, many of the cast members from Cobra Kai and from the Crowded Kid universe. And uh, at some point, I'm like, you know what? I need to go back to some of these episodes and research for our guests. So, so I paid it, and you know, sometimes I don't use it. It's whatever, you know. It's that's how podcasting goes, right? Sometimes you pay for certain services you may not use too often, but you need it. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, in this streaming age, uh, it's not uncommon to kind of go back and forth between the various services. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Um, well, for me, oh, well, I, I guess the other thing to kind of point out, it was very interesting that we did find out that apparently, um, was it YouTube? Yeah, YouTube decided to move it. Was it YouTube or Sony? Uh, season two was decided to be moved up from, I, I believe, what was reported 1 p.m. Uh, on the 24th, which I, I'm assuming they go with East Coast time because that seems to be like the, the time they usually go with first. And... Um, they were moving that back to midnight on the you know the evening of the twenty third, so twelve oh one to make it the twenty fourth, and so for East uh, the West Coasters like me, we got it at nine p.m. <laughs> so oh, you lucky lucky guy, you. We're, we're, we're lucky, we're lucky indeed. Uh, uh, but th this is how my evening went. Um, you know, we don't know sports, right? Mm -hmm. 
But I do know basketball. You know, you you know hockey, right? There, there's a puck mm-hmm. and yeah. some sticks and some fighting in between, right? So, <laughs> that, <laughs> so that's your thing. My thing is basketball. Put the round ball in the hoop. Now, my Portland Trailblazers are currently in the playoffs. Okay. okay. I, I don't. Do you happen to know how the series goes? You know, when it comes to playoffs, like how many wins you have to have in order to yeah, advance? Yeah, four out of seven. Four out of seven, uh, or best of four, or first of four, I guess. Uh, my Blazers were uh, leading three to one, and they are in the third seed playing against the sixth seed. Um, so this was a closeout game for them back at home. Be- uh, right by nine o'clock, at about 8.55, halftime. <laughs> they were leading by one point at oh, halftime. Uh, okay. And they yep. struggled in that first half. At that point, my wife decided, hey, let's give the baby a bath. Which, by the way, for those that maybe haven't heard us since season one, I've had a baby since then. Uh, Congratulations she, once again. Thank you, sir. She's almost three months uh, at this point. She was born on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, so we give her a bath. I'm, I'm getting really antsy. I don't want to say impatient because this is my daughter we're talking about. <laughs> but I'm not saying anything about, honey, can we hurry this up? But I am constantly looking at my watch. Um, I'm trying to anticipate what she might need, you know, towels, whatever, lotion. I'm getting all of that stuff ready. I, I, real quick, I'm yes. just picturing you drying her off with like a hair dryer real quickly. <laughs> Yeah, uh, a hair dryer in one hand, you know, wiping her down with with the towel in the other. No, you know, it, it's definitely a two two person thing, and um, I'm not really trying to rush it. Uh, I I don't want to give my wife that sense of like, oh, he, you know, now that Cobra Kai has dropped, he's gonna kind of like waver on like his duties and what have you. But no, I'm I'm trying to show her that I could still. Hey, Tom, balance is my thing. <laughs> much we'll, admiration sir we'll, we'll get there uh but anyway i don't long story short i don't get to start season two until nine forty-five. still pretty oh. early enough oh my god still pretty early enough um throughout the evening i think my daughter woke up about two different times but that's okay and usually i just pick her up uh feed her a bottle you know she usually takes a few sips 15 minutes later she's back out so i am watching as i'm feeding her but uh, I, I don't finish season two till about three a.m. Um, wow! Which at uh, in that duration, I have a group message of me and you know my close friends, and you know I see a couple messages here and there. I just glance over because I'm thinking they're tweets, but you know I see one guy mention like the name of our point god. Yes, I said point god because this was quite a feat, uh, and I'm like okay. Um, he clearly went bananas and probably scored a lot of points. And then, you know, they're like, oh, what a great game. I'm like, okay, well, we won. So I got spoiled on the closeout game. No big deal. The Cobra Kai was more important to me. Okay. 3 a.m. I go, I got to see what happened in that second half. (laughs) (laughs) So I finished up the second half of the game, uh, and I didn't go to bed until, I don't know, 530 or something. Wow. Yeah, that's because I fell asleep, uh, like the fourth quarter, woke up, noticed that the recording was over, then I rewound it (laughs) to where I think I left off. But it's quite a game. It's quite a series. Basically, we were down 15, like early in the fourth quarter, clawed our way back. Um, Our starting center broke his leg, literally broke his leg like a month ago. This guy saw that we were down, decided to drive over to the arena 
at about three and a half minutes, shows up, the crowd goes wild, and then the opposing team doesn't score the rest of the way. Uh, and then we get within two, our point god, you know, winds down the clock and makes a shot nearly from half court and makes it in at the buzzer. And we win Bad by one. Badass, sir. Badass. You, it's, you know, I'll share with you the link. Thinking about it is giving me chills, but one of the greatest athletic moments I've seen, you know, of, of all sports. Badass, yeah. 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 Is becoming like all types of memes because he gets dogpiled and then there's like a camera in his face and he's keeping his composure and he's known for it too. And he just stares into the camera, uh, you know, like in the middle of this dogpile is quite something. Uh, but that was my night. I stayed up till 530. Luckily, the wife let me stay asleep. And I don't know, I, I guess I woke back up like around 10 or something. But man, um, here I am thinking that I was being kind of... Uh you know, uh, cavalier by staying up until two in the morning to finish the season <laughs> the following night. And, you know, hats off to you, sir. That is dedication. Oh, hey, you know, um, it, you know, it. I didn't want to get spoiled the next day. Uh, you know, in, in our group, we have a thread for each episode. So that way people could talk all the spoilers they want. Um, I feel like our group's very respectful to those that are unable yes. to binge because of life, you know, and... And I appreciate that. I appreciate people following the rules. And, you know, the last, I would hate for somebody to just open up their regular Facebook and they don't have to enter the group, but in their timeline, they still may see a potential spoiler. Mm, it's very easy these days. I don't think it's fair for, you know, to expect people to like, oh, just mute the group or don't go on Facebook. Are you kidding me? Like, it is easier that you just follow some simple rules and, you know, just post them in the threads that they belong in, you know, it's, it's really so. So for me, you know, I didn't want to get spoiled on anything. Um, and I'm glad I binged it as soon as I did, you know, with most of the world, I feel. Uh, because mm-hmm. like the next day all over Twitter, people were posting like screenshots of, you know, things in the later episodes and things like that. So um, there's shitty people out there, you know, and I was just trying to avoid them all the next day. Well, I don't know if I would call them shitty as much as just maybe oblivious. I think that's the harshest phrase I would want to use. They're shitty. They are oblivious <laughs> and shitty. <laughs> Come on. Who are you talking to, man? <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll leave it at that. I'm sure people want to tune in and hear about uh, you know the actual Cobra Kai review. But you know, it's been a long time since we've done an actual review, and so much has happened since then. You know, when we started the show, we never thought we'd get, you know, we never thought about doing interviews, and here we are, 20-some-odd interviews later. The Big Three has joined the group. Uh, Josh Heald, you know, one of the Big Three, returned to talk more about Cobra Kai mm. Season 1 and, you know, one of his own scripts, uh, you know, Hot Tip Time Machine. So, Yeah, yeah. I, I actually went back and listened to that episode of Jake and Tom that we did, uh, the before and after review, and it's it's very charming to see uh exactly where we were when we recorded that where we had like half a dozen uh members in the facebook group we had <laughs> yes half five a dozen interviews people. <laughs> yeah it, it, it is very charming and humbling at the same time just how much the show has grown yes yeah you know um and speaking of growing you know, uh, ever since the 24th We've been getting so many new followers on Twitter. The group continues to grow. Uh, I put out a, a, feedback, a feedback thread, 
And there were a bunch of names that I have not seen like at all. And, and I try to stay up on the names, at least like the ones, you know, to kind of see who's going to be active and things like that. Because I, I just like, I, I like to get to know our members. But I'm like, oh, wow, there's already people kind of being active and I don't recognize their names at all. That's kind of how I, I'm going to say it. You know, season two, people felt some type of way that they're looking to join communities and listen to people talk about them, um, yeah, you know, yeah. with. So... I don't know. We we get into it, or do you got anything else you want to say? Maybe some. Um... I say let's do the uh, deep dive. Uh, we've been waiting for it, so why wait anymore? Okay. Well, well, let's throw this out now. We are not doing any like full season two thoughts or reviews or anything like that. I know some of the um, the other shows. Some of our friends. Are you karate kidding me? And also uh, the Cobra guys. I think they're kind of doing like a season two. Here's what we think before they kind of get into their reviews. Uh, we're not doing that, but do you kind of want to just give like a general thought of what you thought about season two? You know, why don't we save that for like, uh, why don't we, uh, save that, you know? Okay. Why don't we kind of take this as a episode by episode basis? Okay. All right. Fair. All right. So Mercy Part Two, uh, this one was written by the big three and directed by John Hurwitz and Hayden Schlossberg. And I reached out to one of our members, uh, Amy S. You can say that she's part of the team. She's going to be writing basically the uh, brief summaries of each episode for us to read. Uh, so that way I don't have to go to like IMDb or Wikipedia. I think it's kind of cooler that we just reach to somebody that, uh, you know, that is one of our members. Make it a little bit more personable. Yeah. So in this episode, picking right up where they left off last season, Johnny and Kreese have a tense reunion followed by an entire episode of the latter trying to manipulate his way back into Johnny's life. All is sunny at Miyagi-Do where Daniel and Robbie work to fix up Mr. Miyagi's house as a training spot. Robbie's bitterness towards his dad has grown and Daniel has a revelation about his crusade to crush Cobra Kai. Meanwhile, the kids deal with their own drama including the dreaded social media block. And again, that's from Amy S. In this moment, we do find out that Johnny really did believe that Chris was dead. Yes. Yeah, he absolutely did. And um, is there anything quite as cruel as making a loved one think you're dead? Well, I don't know if Chris made him. Like, I, I think that's still... I don't know if you know, but I don't believe we know... Where did Johnny get that idea? Um, Brianna and I, we have speculated that, well, you know, from part three, uh, actually, I, I believe that this is what a lot of people think. But in part three, where, uh, you know, he his death was fake then, maybe word got out to some of the OG Cobras, and maybe that's when Johnny knew. But I don't know. That, that could be, but still, I mean, I, I would say at least... Uh... At one point, Johnny genuinely loved Crease, and here he is thinking that a guy that he looked upon as a father figure was dead, only to find out that it was a lie. And he's been under that impression for how many years? That's pretty cruel. Yeah, yeah, it, it is cruel. Um, I wonder if anybody has any other theories as to like where Johnny might have gotten that idea. Uh, and I'm not saying that he watches all the All Valley tournament fights on TV or anything like that. But if he were to tune in to you know the following year where Daniel shows up in Part Three, he would probably see Crease there on the sidelines, right? You know, with Terry Silver and all. You'd think so. 
You'd think so, but uh, the the uh, the news that John Kreese was dead was a, a surprise to Daniel as well. Right. I mean, if you're referring back to episode seven, All Valley in season one, mm-hmm. Daniel calls it. You know, he's he said it was it was bullshit because um, he didn't believe that John Kreese was dead. He did in part three. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. But w- with Johnny, um, I don't get the impression that. John Kreese faked his death. I, I think it's just, you know, people talk and maybe just assumed he died because he disappeared. Um, later on, we're going to find out that he was kind of like, quote unquote, off the grid and overseas training SEALs and things of this nature. So maybe we might have some thoughts when we get to that scene. Yeah. yeah. But I do like, you know, this scene because uh, at one point, Kreese tries to extend like a hand to him to like whether shake it or probably shake it, really. And, and Johnny just smacks it. You know, now, do you think that uh, Johnny's reaction to Crease's uh, arrival was a surprise to Crease, or do you think that it was something he was kind of anticipating? What the the handshake? Well, the handshake and everything that followed. Where I mean, let's I mean, let's face it, that was a pretty badass fight scene. It was a badass fight scene. I don't know if he anticipated it. I mean, he struck first. You know, I, I think he's still full of rage, and um, obviously it, it it has haunted him for decades. You know, we we saw glimpses of it in uh, season one. We're seeing it again in season two. Um, this fight scene. What did you? What, what were your thoughts on this fight scene? You you did make a. I, I jotted notes down as I was watching it for mm-hmm. the first time, and this I would say at least up until this point. Spoiler alert was the most brutal fight scene in the series up until that point. Oh, yeah. These these are against, you know, two grown men, too. You know, where most of them were with teenagers. Well, not only that, but at least for a little while, Johnny looked like he was ready to kill Kreese. Oh, yeah. Again, he's full of anger. Uh, you know, Kreese still got it. It's like muscle memory, right? Neither of us mm-hmm. had done any martial arts, but uh, muscle memory, Kreese was able to block, flip him. Uh, you know, Brianna and I, we did that uh, breakdown of the official trailer that you avoided because of spoilers, you know, per mm-hmm. the big three. And um, we mentioned how Johnny, the, at one point in the trailer, he doesn't even get up, you know, after the mirror panel behind him had, had shattered. In this scene, in this episode, we find out, oh, it was a long drawn out fight scene. That's why he just had no energy to get back up, you know. <laughs> So yeah, um, and who can blame him for that one? Did, did you by chance go back and watch that trailer? Now that you've seen all the episodes, I did. Okay, I did, and you know what? I really appreciate the warning that the big three gave us. Yeah, yeah to you, to you, because I, I watched the hell out of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, still, I mean, looking back on it, there were some pretty big spoilers, or at least uh, some. A lot of minor spoilers in that trailer, so I can see why they uh, put the word out on that one. Yeah, no, I I agree. It's kind of funny too. Like thinking back, I feel like a lot of the things that have been released, whether they're trailer teasers, exclusive clips, a lot of them came from this first episode. Yes, yeah, they absolutely did. So I I, I appreciate that because like all of the events that they were attending. Uh, you know, and we keep hearing about some exclusive clip. I'm like, wow, they're really going to show a lot of footage out there. So it's kind of like the same stuff, but like in parts. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, 
What did you think about the the kick to the jaw and the cigar going uh, flying over to the uh, trash can? Honestly, I just, I mean, it looked like unbridled rage on Johnny's part. And uh, again, I can't quite blame him because not only was he reacting to finding out that the grief he had for a loved one was a lie, but he's kind of grown and changed as a person since his Cobra Kai heyday back in the 80s. And to have someone come come in to threaten that i i think that this was a understandable response Mm -hmm. and uh it just so happened to put the entire building in danger yeah do you think that if the cigar had not set off the fire alarm that maybe they would have continued do you think that was a way for them to kind of like all right you know what Let's just, let's just take I, a breather because they're both this line. I'm they're not exhausted. sure. I, I kind of get the impression that they were winded at that point. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the reflection in the uh, shattered mirror? I thought it was very appropriate. I thought it was a great shot. I too. thought it was. Uh, I, I thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was uh, just kind of a way to it was a unique way to show the the inner monologue of the character without relying on voiceover. I thought it was a, a pretty cool trick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Yeah, yeah, I did too. Uh, the next shot we get uh, Robbie and Daniel. They kind of unveil the uh, the famous yellow Ford. It looks a little old, and actually, all the other cars from the Miyagi's uh, backyard as well. Um, I think it was Rhonda in our group that did kind of like a side by side. I'm not sure where if she stitched the pictures together, but there is one vehicle missing from uh, from the Karate Kid. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's I, I don't know my makes and whatever, but um, it was kind of cool to see. But they got all the cars but one. Now, overall, I kind of looked at that as almost a metaphor for Miyagi-Do as a whole, where, you know, they're uncovering something that's been under wraps for a very long time. It's a little dusty. It might need a little, you know, a bit of spit and polish, but... They're going to get it up and running and on the road before you know it. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it is the two of them this time, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> not just Robbie by himself. I mean, the kid does still have a hurt shoulder. You know, he's still wearing that sling. Um, I like the line where he says, I I, I, th- I see a can of wax in my future. Something yeah. to that effect. <laughs> yeah. I mentioned this in our uh, trailer breakdown that it reminded me back to season one where Miguel's like, hey, Sensei, how do you want me to clean these windows? And he goes, I don't give a shit. You know, it's it's very yeah. much like that. Yes, very much. So what do you think about the um, this montage and uh, the 80s music playing behind it created or composed rather by ones uh, Leo uh, Berenberg and Zach Robinson, who we've interviewed? I thought it was just a, a a nice callback to the uh, the filming style of the 1980s, where it, it definitely had the feel, but it didn't feel like it was a parody or spoofing. It felt like a continuation of the actual series, both in spirit and style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I love it. That particular song. I'm still trying to learn the names and stuff because I. I've only listened to the soundtrack all the way through one time, um, mm-hmm. but I do love what I have heard. And and by the way, for those that don't know, everyone that's been asking for that Kari Kimmel's version of Cruel Summer, it is on the soundtrack. So it is now available on YouTube uh, if you guys want to check that out. 
Excellent. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, that, so far, I feel like that might be my favorite track. But again, I got to give it some more listens. But I do this uh, love this montage song where, you know, it's very heavy synth and um, kind of a freestyle feel to it, you know, which is um, a, a style of music more known from like uh, Florida area, Miami, that, that type of flavor, you know, your Stevie B's and expose those type of artists um really like it a lot now we also see daniel showing robbie some of the old miyagi techniques some sand the floors paint the fences paint the house <laughs> child labor child well again daniel's at least helping and you know kind of instructing the same way miyagi did too right you know bigger circles and things like that um i i, I really like the scene a lot yeah, I, I thought it was a nice touch. I, I thought it was a, a great way to show that the bond between Daniel and Robbie is really, truly cementing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Uh, what do you think about that backyard? Oh, it was gorgeous. Yeah, beautiful. And not, I mean, just the level of detail was was kind of jaw-dropping, really. Yeah, and for those that don't know, we and we did uh, an episode on this as well, we did find out that that's not... The same location, obviously, it's something that they built themselves based off like the the, the pictures and from the, the original movies, and they recreated it themselves, you know, with a little modern update on it. And there there was like a sneak peek uh, on YouTube that was released. And so, uh, yeah, check out uh, check out that uh, that that episode if you guys haven't or are interested at least. Here, here. So Daniel goes home, talks to Amanda, and you know he he's kind of telling her this idea and stuff, and she doesn't seem too sure about this idea of him opening up the uh, the dojo right she, i don't think she thinks it's a very good idea and honestly i can't blame her um i mean i said this over and over again last year but once again the mothers have proven themselves to be the single most level-headed i i think is the best phrase to describe them they are the most level-headed characters in this entire show they're the mvps they really are. I, I love I love Carmen even more in this season. You know, I loved her in the last season too, but mm-hmm. uh, definitely given a lot more in, in this one. She's not so sure about this because you know the the dealership and you know why is it why is it got to be you you know, to to take on the Cobra Kai? Um, well, I mean Johnny, I'm sorry, Daniel has to realize he's not a 16 year old kid anymore. I mean he has responsibilities. To- to his business, his employees, his customers, his family. I mean, he, I mean, it's the real world. He has to adult at one point. This is true, and I get where he's going. I don't agree with it. I mean, he doesn't want, you know, he thinks that Cobra Kai is all bullies, right? That, that's, mm-hmm. that's his mind frame right now. And he wants to put Miyagi-Do out there to kind of combat them. Um, definitely not going about it the, uh, the right way. But also, he says, you know, he knows how to beat them because he did it 30 years ago. But it's like, dude, again, that's 30 years ago. Like, you, exactly. not, yeah, you, you haven't been practicing. Well, I guess neither has Johnny, really. So they, they've both kind of been out of it. Um, yeah, it's just one of those things. I mean, I, I'm going to steal the line that, uh, that I think it's Amanda that says it in episode nine. You know, are you guys done comparing class sizes? You know, that's that's all it is. It's a pissing contest. Well, that, that, it's just a matter of not being able to let go of the past. And I, I think that's something that 
a lot of folks have difficulty with. I mean, I, I'm guilty with it to various degrees in my life, and it's kind of interesting to see that uh, play out with these characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The next scene, Johnny is icing his fist and drinking a Coors, per usual. Uh, and then he gets a knock at the door, and it's Carmen. I actually thought it was kind of interesting the way he reacted to that knock on the door, where... It, it, maybe it's just the way I looked at it, but was he afraid as far as who was at the door? Because he had just had a massive, you know, massive fight with Crease, And I kind of got the impression that he was worried that Crease was on the other side of that door. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, it, he did not beat, he did not defeat Crease in that fight. You know, if anything, it was a push. So I, I would be scared, too. I mean, Kreese is like 103 years old, right? And John could beat him. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I think that's the way it was shot, right? The music, you know, kind of uh, in, intensifies a little bit. So you're like, ooh, who's behind the door? Is it a heavy that Kreese sent? Or is it Kreese himself? Um, but it is mm-hmm. Carmen. But, yes. But on the other hand, I mean, as soon as he realized who it was, the mood lightened. And mm-hmm. I thought it kind of uh, did a nice way of showing exactly how Johnny is beginning to look at Carmen. Yeah, yeah. They have a nice uh, lunch together. Now, she's got some concerns of her own, and I kind of like this, too, because, uh, you know, when we interviewed Rose Bianco, who plays Yaya, Mm -hmm. I asked her about, like, that moment in episode 10 during the tournament where Miguel, you know, has a cheap shot, and he wins, and us as the audience, like, we know what's going on. So it's like, well, damn, how do I feel about that? And I asked her, well, you know, you guys are his family. And how do you feel knowing that uh, he, he won that way? Um, and she thought it was interesting that I asked her that, you know. But, you know, as the family, they're happy that he won. But they probably knew that, you know, it wasn't the right way. And so Carmen mm-hmm. kind of addresses it here. She's like, you know, I, w- when they moved there, he struggled, you know, wasn't having a I don't know if he, it wasn't him having a good time, but just that in a matter of months that, you know, he's in an arena where he's being cheered on. But she talks about like these looks that he had at some moments and she was a little concerned about that. And I can't blame her because, I mean, I mean, this is somebody that literally she's known from before he was born and he had this sudden change. I, I, I can't imagine how alarming that would be for her. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, where did this all come from, right? Mm-hmm. Where's her Miggy? You know, this isn't the Miggy that she knew, um, just the, the look on his face. And, you know, I really love how Vanessa Rubio um, plays it because she's like, oh, you know, what is it called? Game face? And, like, the way she asks him, like, that's what it is, right? It's it's a game face, nothing else, right, Johnny? Right? And so I, I really like that. She's not even saying a lot of what I just said, but it's all in the way she delivers it and her facial reaction. Exactly. Yeah. One of the things I really picked up on this season was the body language, the facial expressions, the the, the things that weren't said by the actors, but were still conveyed on screen. I got to give all the credit to the actors, the directors. That was very, very well done this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And there's going to be another moment that comes up soon here. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, he tells her, look, nothing to worry about. I got this, pretty much. Yeah, and more importantly, do you think Johnny actually believes this? I think so. At this point, he does. I believe so, yes. Yeah, because, I mean, 
at this point, I, I still get the impression that he's fairly disturbed at the way that Miguel won the championship. Well, he feels a certain type of way about it, but I don't think he's he's misleading her in any way. Like I feel like he genuinely means that. You know, he's trying to to fix this. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. yeah. Uh, next scene. Well, actually, you know what? How about this? Crease uh, calls him to meet up, but Johnny tells Carmen it's the wrong number. Now, why do you think he did that? Why he lied? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. Maybe. Um, he doesn't want to have to explain that his sensei has returned from his past and it might shake him up a bit, you know, where he won't be able to make responsible decisions and perhaps uh, is unable to watch Miguel the way that he just told her he would. I kind of almost got the impression that he was, I mean, I think a lot of what Johnny is going through in this season involves PTSD Mm-hmm. As far as how his uh, initial relationship with Crease kind of uh, culminated. And I can kind of understand why he might not want to open up about that to, to somebody. Yeah. You know, not, I, not that's yet. what I kind of got from it. Yeah, absolutely. And it wasn't like, you know, he was going to, he ends up going anyway, you know. So the it, it is interesting that, that he does keep that from her at this point. Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe he just, you know, it's. I, I guess you can also say, like, maybe he just doesn't, he's not on that level of trust with her to share that with her yet. You know, he hasn't quite opened up to anybody at this point. The only time he's opened. I don't know if it's trust or if it's just macho bullshit. It could be, but I mean, he did open up to Miguel. You know, I believe it was episode eight, you know, when he tells uh, his story about, you know, Daniel and Allie. Oh, yeah, but I mean. A little different, though, you know. I mean, with with the macho stuff, I mean, you can. Looking at it from a macho point of view, you can say certain things and you can ha- share certain vulnerabilities with guys that uh, so-called alpha males would, might not want to let ladies in on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, you, you could be right. But who knows? Maybe he'll warm up by the end of the season. It's a very strong possibility. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the next scene we get... Uh, Sam, she's sitting in her room, kind of going through her Instagram. And I got to say, I feel like I made a comment about the social media in the first season where I felt like, oh, this is kind of like their version of, you know, this app or that app. This is mm-hmm. undeniably Instagram. You know, the Instagram yes. stories are lit up. That means that she hasn't looked, watched those videos yet. So I don't know if Instagram is like tied to Google or anything like that. I, I'm not privy to that information. But if it is, maybe that's why it looks so good. It could be. I mean, it could just be a product placement sort of thing where maybe uh, Instagram uh, had a deal with Google. Who knows? Yeah, we don't know. I'm sure somebody does. Uh, But she decides to block Miguel. And is there anything harsher in the world these days uh, for a teenager than to... uh, to block somebody or for you to be on the receiving end of uh, being blocked? Yeah, blocked is a pretty big deal because, you know, one may question why didn't she just doesn't unfollow. Well, if she unfollows him, that just means that she doesn't see his stuff, but he can still view everything that she posts. Mm-hmm. You know, well, so I mean, it. especially in the course of a summer where you're not going to run into each other uh, during class or in the halls or anything like that. I mean, I'd imagine that would be a more... The more serious uh, form of separation. 
It, it is. It absolutely is. Yeah. So it, it wasn't easy. You know, she was hovering over that that button for a while. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, she she does block him. And then she sees that Aisha and company are at Applebee's. Uh, uh, hopefully, there's no nothing going on over there. This, the Applebee. What, what was the? Uh... Hey, everybody's feeling good in the neighborhood, sir. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, we got Dimitri, return of Dimitri, Hawk, Moon. Uh, they're all at uh, Applebee's celebrating uh, a victory. Miguel. With some victory nachos. And I got to admit, they looked pretty good. I, I almost went out to Applebee's on that one. <laughs> uh, it, it sounds good right now, actually. Um, <laughs> but Miguel is sitting by himself. And he is wondering why he can't find Samantha's uh, profile. And he figures out oh, that she blocked him. Oh, he knows. He knows exactly why he can't. Oh, he knows. Yes. Yeah. Um, I felt bad for him at that point, really. Because, I mean, it, it, I, I kind of got the impression that that's when it really sunk into him exactly where their relationship was. Yeah, I agree with that. And I kind of like how everybody's trying to maybe not cheer him up. But they're like, hey, you know, maybe just give her some time. Hawk's over here like... Dude, you're like you're a champion, man. You can get like any girl in the valley now. He's know? Drake. Yeah, he's Drake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Tom, do you get that reference? Drake's a singer. You can call him that too. Yeah, yeah. He's an artist. He is an artist. Yes, he sings and raps. Ah, okay. <laughs> Just nod your head. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, it's radio, but you. Uh, for those of you who can't see me, I'm totally nodding my head with my uh, jaw slacked open. Yeah. What did you think about seeing some of these returning characters? Oh come on! Who doesn't want to see what the the Cobras are up to? You know, I mean, I mean, Hawk and uh, they all stole the show. Aisha was uh, probably my favorite part of last season. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah. I mean, if anything, uh, we needed more Bert. Yes, yes, I I agree with that as well. Um, And also, Dimitri, you know, you kind of start seeing some things going on between him and Hawk at this moment here. You know, Dimitri mm-hmm. brings up like a, um, oh gosh, was like a, some kind of camp that they went to, science camp or what was it, math camp? I thought it was computer camp computer because camp. I think that's uh, what they were binary brothers. That's right. That's right. So Hawk is not happy that Dimitri brought up some nerd shit. Yeah, I mean, I I was really feeling for Dimitri in the season. I, I I think he might be my favorite character of season two, honestly. Yeah, yeah, he's you know, definitely more, more on that to follow. I think absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and you know, we're we're all fans of everybody here, but uh, Gianni had a lot of a lot of range um, for yeah. the things that he had to do this season. I I genuinely hope that you know all all of these kids, but especially this year. I mean. I I really hope this is a springboard for all of these guys. The they, the kids did such a great job this year. Mm-hmm. They really did. Um, a lot of a lot of things to do in this uh, season for some of the you know, the, the bigger characters this time around. Yeah, I mean, let's face it. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that was pretty challenging for them. I'd imagine as actors, and they all rose to the occasion and they knocked it out of the park. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the next scene. Johnny walks into Lou's Cafe from 1955 on the set. Of <laughs> yeah, <Michael's> I, <laughs> I, I almost expected him to ask for a milk. 
Now, did you see the the meme that I made made with um you know George McFly and Martin uh, uh John Kreese? I did not. I have to admit, between uh, Avengers Endgame and this uh, season two of Cobra Kai, I have been very, very light on social media this week. Okay, that's fair. Uh, so I made two memes that uh, I took some screenshots from you know, this scene and kind of mixed them up with uh, some Back to the Future. So uh, my first one had two, two images. The first image was George McFly you know, with his little notepad saying, I'm your density. And then, and then the the second picture is John Cree sitting down. He goes, "Is density moron?" <laughs> I love that. <laughs> then, then the second one, it's uh, Lorraine and her friend in the booth, uh, looking up, and or actually maybe no, no, no is is Johnny standing up? Sorry, is Johnny standing up? And he goes, "Hi, I'm Bill, or I'm Ralph, R- Ralph Lauren." <laughs> <laughs> and then, then the second picture is Lorraine and her friends sitting in the booth looking at him, staring. Now, I, I put this in my notes I sent to you earlier. Uh, I was kind of, I, I'm trying to pay attention to a lot of the stuff in the background. And the song that was playing on the jukebox, I thought was pretty appropriate to the sing to mm-hmm. the scene. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know the name of the song. I have to admit to ignorance on this, but the line that really stood out for me was it's too late for tears. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really appropriate for the relationship between Crease and Johnny at this point. Oh, absolutely. what are your thoughts on that? No, I, I, I agree with you. If it was 2000, I don't know, five, it, it might have been Cry Me a River by Justin Timberlake, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty much it. It's just like, you know, I, I'm going to hear you out, but whatever you plead, I, I, I don't care. It's, it's, it's long, you know, overdue. Uh, this is kind of a waste of a time, but I'm still going to hear you out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. So uh, this is also the third clip that they released, you know, because it went first uh, Johnny and the Cobra Kai, Daniel and Robbie, which we will see in a little bit here. And this was the third clip with Crease, which I felt kind of came literally out of nowhere. Um, and it was so close to the release date of season two that you and I, we did not do a review on that on that scene. And in all honesty, I did not watch that clip just because... I mean, after hearing it directly from the big three, I I raised all the shields when it came to clips and uh, previews from this point. So I, I watched this with fresh eyes. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Now, so what do you think about the scene then? Because it, um, it was pretty much this entire scene that was released. Honestly, I thought it was magnificent. I thought that the two of them just were powerhouses when it came to showing exactly what kind of skills they have in their toolbox as actors. I I, I, I mean, I, I genuinely think that William Zapka deserved an Emmy nomination for season one. I really, I, I'm going to be genuinely upset if Zapka, uh, Zapka, um, Cove, and Macho don't get one this year. This was, I mean, this was a, a, an award show clip right there. It was so good. And it's, it's one of many. Let me tell you that. Yeah. It, it is one of many. Um, I even tweeted out, you know, if Cobra Kai season two doesn't get any noms, there's going to be a karate brawl, you know, somewhere. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe it's just because it's on such a uh, new platform, you know, uh, YouTube premium. But 
this scene was magnificent. I mean, not just for what they said and how they said it, but for what wasn't said and left in the subtext. I, I thought it was great. And on to piggyback on that, this is one of those moments, you know, we kind of talked about it with Vanessa Rubio. Uh, at one point, Billy Zapka, I, I kind of forget the dialogue, but Chris says something to him and Billy's got his arm crossed and he doesn't say a word, but it's like, you know, the nod or the head shake, whatever he did, it's it was him responding physically with his body. Mm-hmm. No, no. Uh, again, just body language, facial expressions, something that uh, people who are in acting might not even think about. You can, you can tell they really paid attention to every little detail in this scene, and it paid off in spades. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can't praise that scene highly enough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree. It uh, I, I like it quite a bit, and I might be biased because again, it kind of reminds me of Back to the Future. Um, <laughs> uh, the one line that I do like uh, about here is because you know Crease is saying like, "Look, you know, I can help you." Um, he does talk about like why he's kind of been gone for a while, and also you know he says the world can use some Cobra Kai, and I'm like, yes, yes, this this is this is them speaking to us, like yes, we need more Cobra Kai. Uh, but Johnny, he's like, you, you know, once Kreese mentions the students, he he, I think he slams his hand on the table, like no, you you stay away from my students, and so he's being very protective there, and I like that a lot, and um. One thing that he pointed out that I really liked was like, no, you know, I, I, I know where you're going with this. I remember when I was younger, you're just, you know, trying to manipulate me. You're just trying to find my weakness and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. Johnny's even telling the audience what's going on, you know, if you weren't picking it up too. But from the Rose City Comic Con panel where those other three showed up that I was able, fortunate enough to attend uh, at one point, you know, Martin Cove, and he has said this in other interviews as well. You know, when talking to the big three, you know, the super three, whoever you ask, um, he mentions that they told him that Greece was going to be a little bit of good and a little bit of bad. Some could take this scene and be like, this is him being good. He's trying to turn a new leaf. I have to admit, I didn't buy it. I didn't either. Yeah, it's not to say anything negative against, uh, you know, the acting involved. I I was looking at it from the character point of view. I just looked at it as another way that Kreese was genuinely manipulating Johnny. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I I feel like they were trying to, like, show us early on that maybe that's what's going on here, you know. But obviously Johnny sees through it. Mm-hmm. For now. And one of the things I, I really, really enjoyed about this scene was it showed just how far Johnny as a character had come in that previous season. Because let's face it, when he started Cobra Kai, when he first started training Miguel, he still had the mentality that Kreese implanted in him. And this was her, I mean, between the way that the Cobras won at All Valley and this conversation at uh, the diner. It really demonstrates just how far he has removed himself from Kreese's ways. You you could tell that maybe he agrees that, uh, and this this isn't any uh, uh, judgment on my part. Maybe Johnny does agree with Kreese's uh, assessment of this current generation needing some toughening up. But you could tell that he has a totally different approach as far as how maybe you should toughen them up. Right. I mean, because Kreese is talking about like how society is now. Again, he's saying that he's been 
you know, quote unquote, in a hole, training all these other soldiers, what have you, in other mm -hmm. different places. He's mentioning, well, you know, now you get a trophy for anything just for showing up and, you know, need to be, uh, I wish I wrote this down, but kissing ass, instead of kissing ass, they need to be kicking ass. Yeah. You know? And another thing that just kind of occurred to me, I mean, last year a lot was said about how Johnny was kind of stuck in the 80s. Do you think it's maybe fair to say that, uh, Maybe understandably, given what I'd imagine he went through, do you think that Kreese is maybe stuck in the 60s and looking at it from the point of view as of a, a soldier going through Vietnam? I, I absolutely believe so. I think that was kind of the metaphor about him kind of being stuck in a hole. You know, I think he yeah. meant that literally and metaphorically. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Just in this one scene, there's so much to dig into. I mean... I, I can't praise the writers, the directors, the actors enough. This was a magnificent scene. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I agree. And that's why it was kind of like, oh, I kind of wanted to do a review on it. But I was like, again, season two is coming. You were avoiding like everything, like Neo dodging a bullet. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh, the next scene, we th now this one was the second clip that was released. Uh, this is Daniel and Robbie, uh, where we're inside Miyagi Do. And Robbie finds the drum toy, and Daniel shows him the Medal of Honor of Mr. Miyagi's. I, I thought it was interesting where, I mean, we, we talked about this in an earlier episode on the lead-up to season one, but I thought it was really interesting to show that not only does Daniel hold the memory of Miyagi in a very high regard, but he's also kind of realizing that he's kind of straying from the path that Miyagi tried to set him on. Mm-hmm. Because Daniel is kind of, well, not even kind of obsessed. He's full-blown obsessed with wreaking vengeance on these people that he perceives as his enemy. Right. Miyagi, I don't think, would stand for that. No, he wouldn't. And I, I do think it's in interesting, too, because, you know, from what we've heard in dialogue, season one, season two, it sounds like Miyagi was very much still a part of his life after the events of Credit Kid 3, where we last see Daniel so mm -hmm. where well, what happened along the way? You know what I mean? Like, is it just because he got the PTSD from all the Cobra Kai stuff? So once, you know, Cobra Kai started season one, it all came back and he kind of just forgotten everything again. Maybe not forgotten everything, but kind of like snapped back to, you know, that adolescent phase in his life. Well, I mean, not only that, but I mean... It's natural to, I mean, if you're in your 40s, 50s, who knows what, to look back on events in your uh, high school years with a heightened sense of melodrama, I think is the only way I can phrase it, mm. and to be kind of fixated on that. So, I mean, I can't blame Daniel, even though I think he definitely is a character with faults. I, I, I can understand those faults, but they're still there. Yes, yeah. And, you know, that's what I love about all these characters. They they all have flaws, even if they're little. Yeah, it's not black and white. You know, you live in the gray. Mm -hmm. Even, you know, like I, I've heard some people, you know, this is a little spoiling ahead, but uh, some people, it's like, oh, Hawk has completely turned. Well, you know, we still have moments where we're like, you know what? There's still a little bit of Eli in there. There is, and... Well, you know what? We'll we'll get to that. We'll we will. That. We will. Yeah, I, I've I got my fan theories. Sure. Okay. Okay. I like that. Um, all right. So we now cut to Hawk and Miguel showing up on some scooters. You know, I think there was a 
a phase there where every state was kind of uh, doing these test scooter things. You know, like, I don't know, five different companies had these. Uh, at least that's what I think they were. Did you guys have them in Michigan? Do, do you know what I'm talking about? We did. To me, I always thought they looked like, uh, you know, maybe a cheaper version of those Segway things that they tried to make a thing a couple of years ago. Yeah, I I think it was it looked like it was actually pretty successful here, but it, I guess it didn't. Catch oh, really? On. Yeah, yeah. I, oh. uh, I had coworkers that were using them, you know, to, that some uh, lived by where we work, and so they would really, you know, yeah, they'd just hop on one of those and go home. <laughs> I gotta admit, they they look like toys to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just swipe your card and you know pay whatever. I, I don't know. I never got on one, but people use them. Oh, oh, wait. You're saying that they're public transport things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, no, no, no. We don't have those at all. Oh. I've, I've seen them in stores, but no. Yeah, it, it was it was a thing. Um, so they're kind of like the ones you could buy in stores, but uh, you know, built with a little bit more security, and they have like a card reader, and they would just post them up, like uh, you know, a, a few at every busy corner on the road or on the sidewalk rather, and people would just swipe their card. I don't know what you got to punch in, but you know, you get charged. X amount of dollars for your ignition use, and then probably X amount of dollars for every mile that you go. I, I mean, maybe it's just because I live in a uh, relatively small town, but uh, I can't help but think that this is one of those uh, the more you know moments. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's what it was. Um, but we'll, but we'll move on. So they show up to the dojo, and I kind of misread the scene because this was also uh, the first clip that we got. Well, you know, which Cobra would you rather be? So they show up and they say new students. I thought that these were just a bunch of kids looking to possibly join up, kind of like following the events of episode five, Counterbalance, where Miguel had his um, his big cafeteria fight scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the impression that I got. Yeah, but when you know when they go inside, you know, so they they we meet some new characters, Chris and also Mitch, uh, the the two that are wearing the the WrestleMania shirts, you know them, and um, well, first off, Hawk says new students. We didn't get that in that first clip. Later no. on, Johnny says, you know, the you know, the class isn't open to new students today. Come back tomorrow with your checkbooks. And Mitch, he says, uh, yes, sir, I mean, sensei. And so how would he know to call him sensei unless he was already a student? You know, like they might have had their orientation kind of thing. And, you know, so maybe that's something that we didn't get. Uh, But I feel like it's possible. But I mean, they could have also overheard conversation with uh, other more experienced students, you know, who, who mentioned that they're waiting for sensei Kreese. Sure, but you know, I I think uh, I mean, something I said over and over with season one that the writing is very intricate. So I felt like you know their choice of words. That's my impression. But you know, hey, maybe we can continue this in the group and see what people think. But yeah, uh, yeah. And and speaking of the group, before you jump on me, I misspoke. It's Sensei Lawrence. Don't uh, don't hold me over the coals on that one, folks. <laughs> Why? What did you say? I said Sensei Kreese. Oh, did you? Well, it's okay. Yeah. I, I think when me and Brianna broke down the, the 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 official trailer, which by the magic of editing, so I originally called Miguel Miyagi, and then Brianna corrected <laughs> me, and I'm like, wait, what did I say? She goes, you, you, well, she thought that I was trying to say Miggy, and um, I go, wait, what? She goes, oh, Miggy. I go, wait, wait, what did I say? She goes, uh, Miyagi. I go, oh, I meant Miguel. So... 
so you know, obviously the listeners didn't hear that, but uh, I edited it in a way where uh, it was kind of seamless. Uh, I corrected myself, but it happens. Magic of editing, right? Magic of editing. So this scene, I don't want to go too far into it because you and I, we did talk about this scene. It is an mm-hmm. episode. We spent about 20 minutes uh, kind of breaking it down. Now, now, real quick, uh, one thing that I do want to kind of touch on is right before I watched this uh, episode, I went back and watched uh, the last handful of episodes of season one. Okay. And I can't help but remember that at the, the end of the season, right before the start of the tournament, Johnny explicitly said, when at any costs. And that's exactly what Miguel and Hawk did. Right. Now, with that in mind, can you really blame them for being confused and maybe a little bit hurt at the way that Johnny is treating them in this scene? Yeah, no, I don't blame them at all. But he is just kind of setting an example, right? Because he does tell them to do 50 push-ups on their knuckles, which they don't do. They kind of go into their, their drills afterwards. Because, you know, Miguel does go to see Johnny immediately after this. He's like, hey, what's up? You know, what what's going on? Why are you acting this way? And, mm-hmm. he, you know, Miguel addresses it too. You know, just what you just said. Like, what well, you, you told us, you know, strike first. No mercy. That, that was the third lesson. No mercy. So why take pity on Robbie Keane, you know, is what he asks. And Johnny doesn't answer. And in all honesty... This is where I got to kind of call out Johnny. He is my bar none favorite character of this series, but I think he made a mistake in this instance where maybe he should have called Hawk and Miguel back on his own as opposed to waiting for one of them to approach him. He should have had maybe explained himself. I, I, I think I think that would have alleviated 90% of the problems that followed. Oh, yeah, I know. I agree with you. But he does say in the scene that, like, hey, you know, maybe he's just he's still learning himself. Yeah, yeah, I, that and that is a very important thing to keep in mind. Johnny is doing this on the fly, right? Absolutely, he's only kind of doing it from what he remembered uh, mm-hmm. as a teenager himself. So Sam shows up uh, outside the parking lot of the dojo, and she wants to see if Aisha wants to go hang out. Now, originally, I was thinking, why didn't she just call or text? But I guess Aisha is, you know, at karate. Uh, she's at her dojo doing karate and stuff and probably just doesn't have her phone on her. I think that's a fair guess. Yeah. And uh, so so she wants to see if Aisha wants to go to the beach or go do stuff. But Aisha says that Sensei Lawrence gave them homework, wants them to go watch Over the Top. <laughs> He's a Stallone fan, huh? You know what? I mean, I, of course Johnny's a Stallone fan. Um, I hate to sound like maybe I was a cinema snob uh, from an early age, but even when that movie was first released, I thought it looked cheesy. Have you seen it? No, God, no. It looked cheesy. Oh, okay. I haven't either. <laughs> and Good for you. We're probably going to get a lot of shit on, uh, for that. Oh, I so know. You know will. what, fans? I, I, I understand your love of Stallone, but... Come on. In all I mean, honesty, it's... I was probably like three when that came out. I, I feel like that came out in 86. I could be wrong. I want to say I was eight or nine, but I mean, it's just a prime slice of 80s cheese. As somebody who lived through the 80s, it wasn't as cool back in the day. Hey, 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 you watch what you, you watch them out there. It, it wasn't. <laughs> you be quiet. 
That's enough from you. It was all neon <laughs> and hair mousse. Hey, man, I am going to mute your mic. No. <laughs> <laughs> So, over the top, I'll just say one thing and I'll move on. It is a movie I'm supposed to watch. Uh, Justin over at So I Married a Movie Geek, he was flabbergasted when I told him I had not seen Over the Top. And he wants to come on Postogic at some point to review that. So, um, it's, it's a movie. It's about arm wrestling. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Hey, man. And truck driving. You should be happy with half of that word, wrestling, right? There, I mean, there's in regular wrestling, you know what? arms are involved. You know what? No. Unless there are steel cages and chairs involved, that's not wrestling. Do you, don't you have to sit in a chair to arm wrestle? I don't know. I've always kind of, you know, stood when I've arm wrestled. Well, is it is this predator now? Are you going to stand and arm wrestle? <laughs> well, no, you got to you got to kind of ground yourself with your feet. All right. Well, you know, we'll, we'll move on. We'll move on. They they, they got to watch over the top, which I thought I thought was actually pretty Discussing funny. Discussing the threads, people. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and yep, that's pretty much it uh, there. You have any other thoughts on that? No, no, nothing that won't get me in trouble. Yeah, I do like the fact that um, you know, we this continues on from from episode ten of season one, right? You know, they they look like they've patched things up, and they're both trying here. Um, Aisha does try to invite Sam, but she's like, no, you know, she doesn't want to because Miguel and even Aisha's like, look, you know, just come talk, air things out. You know, that kind of seems to be the thing that Aisha's really pushing for. Like, look, just talk it out. And, and you know what? If everybody would just freaking take that, you know, advice and just talk things out, I think we would address a lot of the issues and problems that people are having with each other. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I thought Aisha was really... I would say that she was almost up there with the with Carmen and Amanda as far as just being smart. Being smart. I mean, she's got her other moments where she's not so, you know, and we'll we'll get to well, that. Well, she's still a teenager, but I mean for a teenager, I mean, come on. She was really quite mature, I thought. That's a very good word here. She was mature in this in in saying like, look, you know, I'm getting is like she even agrees that perhaps there's a misunderstanding that they just need to talk it exactly. out. Just air it out. I mean, hear their side of the story and maybe kind of try to find some common ground. Exactly. Exactly. So now Johnny needs to go get some uh, supplies and equipment over at what's probably Home Depot. I, I didn't look for any signs, but, you know, it's a warehouse of, you know, uh, home home things. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. not handy, so apologies for my terrible vocabulary here. But uh, we get a new character, Raymond. I guess he's kind of a controversial character this year as far as fan reaction. Yeah. W- what's your opinion on Raymond, sir? Now, okay, my opinion is I like him. Okay. I like his okay. character. I-, I feel a butt coming on. Uh, Yes. Yeah, yes. <laughs> You threw me off with the butt thing. Uh, I was because I, I wasn't <laughs> sure where you're going, and okay. Oh, okay. So, let me let me rephrase this. I feel a however coming on. Yes, however, I feel that um, you, you know what? I don't know. I originally I was thinking like maybe he belonged in a different universe, but I feel this is somebody that every one of us knows. We know somebody like this. He might be yes. a little extra, but there is a Raymond in somebody that we all know. Because you know, there's something later on where I'm like, really? Do people do that? And maybe they do. I don't know. We'll, we'll Again, we'll get to that moment when we get to it uh, in a later episode. But 
I like Raymond. Now, question. You know, this season, we got all the 80s references and music and themes and things of that nature. Do you think this character of Raymond is supposed to be inspired by Rain Man? No. No? No, no, Stretching no. here? Little, little reach? I mean, I, I, I could be wrong, but I didn't get that impression at all. I mean... Well, I'm not saying that he's autistic or anything like that. Well, but no, just like no. His, you know, the, 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 him just kind of being silly, you know, and things like this. Do you think maybe he's like, oh, you know... I kind of think he's us, sir. He's a super fan. Okay. He's a super fan. <laughs> yeah, you know what he is a fan of? The 80s, Tom. Take a seat. <laughs> he think- hey, you, you've gone to comic book conventions. I'm assuming you've stood in line. If you haven't directly talked to the people in line with you, I'm sure you've seen super fans at those shows who get really super excited over things that many other people, if not the majority of the population, might think of as silly and frivolous. Mm-hmm. He's the guy that gets excited about hair metal bands. He's the guy that loves Ninja Turtles. He's a super fan. I see no problems with any of this. No, no. He is Maybe you think He really is. Yeah, I, you know, I was just trying to see if there was any connection with his name and that's the first thing I went to was Rain Man. Like, maybe he's a little off. You know, maybe, but again, I feel that we all know uh, uh, a person that is like this, one that lives with their parents still. There's many a times where, you know, to kind of just take your analogy here, me standing in line at a Comic-Con, I'm sure anybody that has been in that position has overheard somebody kind of just boasting about like their knowledge of something and you just stand there and roll your eyes. That is Raymond. I'm not going to, I'm going to be completely in open here i have been raymond at my at various points in my life with various things yeah you know i mean anybody who geeks out over something is raymond and so the fact that i mean they're kind of lampooning the culture that i came from I, i i'm sorry i mean other people might find him an annoying character other people might even find him an insulting character I thought it was great just because he's taking the piss out of us. I, I loved it. Yeah. And um, I don't want to take anything from Matt Lewis's post, but he had a post, kind of just uh, some of his thoughts on some of the, um, you know, more common uh, grievances of, of season two, Raymond being one of them. And again, I don't want to take anything from him. He's, it's something that he posted in our group, but... Uh, I felt, and, and we're kind of on the same wavelength here, but I did feel that a character like Raymond is kind of needed for what I feel was a heavy season, right? In terms of being really emotional uh, at many points. And yeah. Well, I mean, not, not just emotional, but not to spoil anything for future uh, reviews, kind of a dark season, it really is, and and that's just what I was getting to, where season one, I felt there was a great balance of comedy and drama. I think this one, you know, the scale is tipped on the dramatic side, you know. Oh, yeah, you yeah, the stakes yeah. are definitely raised this year. Yes, and that's why I feel it's nice to have a character like Raymond for some levity, where, um, you know, I, I guess one can argue, like, the, the placements of these comedic reliefs and you know it, it may not be where 
somebody may want them, but I feel his character is still needed kind of throughout just to kind of give us that little break. Like, oh, man, it is kind of nice to kind of just laugh at somebody, you know, kind of comedic a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 he was definitely needed. You know, you're entitled to your opinions. I'm entitled to mine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Robbie and Daniel are also there picking up some things uh, of their own. And it, it is Raymond that kind of like kind of clues Daniel into like Johnny being there too. So I didn't find this awkward because I felt like they're at an okay place at this point. You know, it's kind of like, oh, there's that ex-girlfriend. We just had a bit of a breakup. Um, hey, you good? <laughs> you know, that kind of conversation. Because remember, just a few episodes ago, they were sharing drinks at a bar together, riding in a car, singing Ario Speedwagon. Yeah, yeah. So I do appreciate that Daniel decides to kind of walk off to let Robbie and Johnny talk themselves. But it is kind of heartbreaking that Robbie has to be like, he's the man that you'll never be, or I'm completely paraphrasing. But um, Robbie wasn't nice, you know? And I think Johnny was kind of trying. He was. I just think maybe it was a little too soon, given everything that uh, has not only gone on in uh, his relationship with his son, but what transpired at that tournament. What about, uh, how about a, a better time and place, perhaps? Like, hello. Perhaps. You know, perhaps. Um, um, I would like to talk to you uh, if you have the yeah. chance, you know, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he was right to approach him. Maybe he shouldn't have spilled his guts at that time and place. Yeah. You know, I, I think it would have been better served as a private conversation. Yeah. Because, I mean, again, he is trying. He's like, hey, how's your shoulder? Obviously, notices uh, no sling at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so. After that, Robbie goes outside to the parking lot, tells Daniel, basically, Johnny is more concerned about the rivalry between them two than his own son. Now, do you think that's true? Because I got the impression that, you know, especially this year, the status of his relationship with Robbie is definitely weighing very heavily on his mind. He just doesn't know how to approach it. Right. And for a father to have been so absent in his son's life, you can't just, you know, jump in and, and think everything's going to be okay by apologizing. You do got to work it up. And to answer your question, no, I don't believe Johnny is more concerned about the rivalry. I think he really is no. more concerned about Robbie. Uh, but Robbie is a teenager, and you know just the fact that he is um, uh, training Miguel, he feels a certain way about Johnny. No, at this point, I, I definitely get the impression that Johnny is trying to leave the past behind him. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't know how to go forward in the future. Right. He's still he's going to need guidance, just as much as Daniel does too. Yeah, yeah, he absolutely does. So we're and uh, in honesty, I think that might be a very large reason why Kreese was able to bend his ear as successfully as he was. Yeah, you're you're probably right. I mean, that man was a surrogate father to Johnny. So if he yeah, knows anything, or worse. yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. So if, if there's anything he knows, is is to how how to manipulate Johnny. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Johnny is back at the dojo, replacing that panel, 
And this is really cool because there was an image. I don't know if it was an image more than it was a clip. I don't know. But there there was something that I once saw. It was a it was an image of Johnny standing in front of, you know, all those mirrors. Maybe it was a screenshot from one of the teasers or something. And uh, I think Rick had some comments about it, saw the paint cans and things like that. For me, it for me that image that shot it looked like Johnny was reflecting on something and I just made a graphic you know I, I took an image of like some guy in a Cobra Kai Gi costume and I found like an old Johnny Lawrence you know face you know from uh from one of the screenshots of the first Karate Kid movie put it over that guy put him in the mirror so it looks like old Johnny's looking at young Johnny Oh, wow. I had no idea that that's exactly what was going on, <laughs> mm-hmm. except yeah. for we get a flashback to young Johnny, uh, played by Owen Stone, who who was uh, him in episode six, I believe it was, or I think it was six in uh, season one. Right around there, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it just goes to further humanize and deepen the character of Johnny Lawrence. Uh I don't know what else to say about this other than uh, the, one of the reasons why I love this show is let's let's be honest. Johnny Lawrence before this was kind of a paper thin character. He was just the stereotypical 80s bully. And the way that they've really kind of given you the backstory and the reasons why he is the way he is, is the reason why I am so you know, fascinated by the show. Mm-hmm. And I also like the scene because it just kind of shows like the early relationship between Sensei Kreese and student Johnny Lawrence. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. I mean, even back then Kreese was, I mean, maybe he thought he had his best interests in mind, but he was going about it in a very, very, very cruel manner. Yeah. I mean, he said it earlier that he was a tough son of a bitch or something like that. Yeah, I mean, there's there's tough love, but I mean, you gotta balance that out with compassion. And uh, again, balance, I think, is one of the major themes of this season. Oh yeah, and well, Kreese does not have balance clearly. Honestly, I I don't think he's the only character that doesn't have balance this year. Oh yeah, I know, I agree with that too. Yeah. Uh, so Robbie finds Daniel doing kata. Uh, he or Daniel explains that it's something that he does usually when he loses himself. It was kind of nice to see, but also I really like this uh, little bit of dialogue that Daniel has when, uh, with, with Robbie. Basically, he's not going to take down Cobra Kai. What he does say is that he's going to show them a better way, and I like that a lot. Honestly, um, I kind of uh, approached last year with a bit of a tongue-in-cheek uh, you know, uh, bashing of the Daniel character. This was what I was waiting for. Mm-hmm. This was where Daniel realized that no, they are not the enemy. There is no enemy. Right. They're you know your dad's like like us you know or exactly yeah yeah I, I like all of that. That was that was really good to hear him say. Yeah, and, and honestly, I mean, it might not make for a very dramatic television show, but that was the approach that I was hoping that Daniel was going to kind of go forward with for the entire season. But uh, to be continued. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, somehow, I'm just kind of looking over my notes, and I completely 
missed a scene. Oh. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty much when Robbie and uh, Sam have their talk, right? Where he finds her doing um, karate. I missed out the part where Daniel talks about his first girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, I I thought it was a, a good pep talk. I mean, it was, a, a, you know, he was trying to pass on his wisdom. But my big impression off of that as just a viewer was, is there more to his breakup with Allie that maybe we aren't aware of as viewers. It could be. Um, it could also be the writers saying like, Hey, we know this is something that you guys want to hear, but it's just, you know, it, there's a time, there's another, another time for that story. I, I forget what he says, but it, it's funny because like the way he sets it up, I think everyone's like, Oh, he's going to talk about Allie. But his first girlfriend is Judy, you know, who Allie, he says, you know, is prettier that she buries Judy, right, in the first mm-hmm. Karate Kid movie. Mm-hmm. So, he, um, you know, we hear Judy's name in the very beginning of the Karate Kid, and then she's brought up again between Daniel and his mother uh, at that restaurant. And so that's his first love, I guess. And then, well... Now, I might be misremembering the dialogue, but that was his first girlfriend, and he thought that she was the one until they moved to Cali, and then he met Allie. I didn't mean for that to rhyme. I really did it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but and then he alludes to, like, and there was somebody after her, and then somebody after that one, which, by the way, like, I thought, well, you know what? Maybe Daniel had interest in um, the Jessica character, but... It was, you know, obviously platonic because she had a boyfriend in Columbus or whatever. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely the impression I got. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, my main takeaway was when we heard that uh, Allie and Daniel broke up where, I mean, what was it? He uh, said to Miyagi that she crashed the car and was dating some other guy. It occurred to me, we just heard the one-sided story from a angsty teenage boy. I'm kind of, I'm really kind of interested in hopefully maybe, but not getting my hopes up that we'll hear her side of the story. Because I mean, if it was just cut and dry the way it was in Karate Kid 2, why didn't he tell Sam about this? Right. Yeah. I don't know. You know, definitely a story for another time, as uh, as he says. Yeah, there's there's a lot of meat on that bone, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I'm getting really hungry now. Nachos and now meat on the bone. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get the very last scene where we're back at the dojo. Crease uh, comes in to apologize. And he brings Johnny's second place trophy back and apparently fixed it. I thought that. On one hand, it it, it could have served. I, I thought it was a nice gesture on Crease's part, but um, maybe Johnny was a little naive to accept it and accept Crease back into his life. Well, because I mean, clearly it was just a tool in Crease's manipulation. Now, what Crease has in mind for that manipulation is, as far as his end game, again to be continued. Right. I mean, I was just as naive as Johnny because I, too, was blinded by the kind gesture. Um, It's funny, too, because Martin Cove uh, gave us some time 
after the premiere of season one. And it's like, hey, so what'd you guys think about that first episode? And I was like, you know what? I liked your character up until that very last shot. Like I, I said something like, you know, you 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 warmed my heart, or I don't know what I said exactly. It was something like, you know, basically like I was on board with your character until that last shot with that look, you know, that he gives. But um, you know, Johnny called it during the diner scene. You're just looking for my weaknesses, and he found it. You know, he Johnny, absolutely did. Johnny brought up earlier. You know, you broke my second place trophy, and even Crease has that subtle look, like you're still you're still holding on to that. <laughs> you know, so but on the other hand, it's kind of interesting that Crease uh, was literally holding on to that trophy for thirty four years. Was he though, or was that something that he bought and made it look like that one? Do we know that? Oh, that's a good point. Well, I mean. I kind of got the impression that moment was really seared into Johnny's memory. I mean, it's very possible that he may look at a a, a fake store-bought trophy and say, mm, yeah, nice try, old man. He had I mean, it for like minutes before it was broken. And did what was it thrown away? Did Kreese pick it up after, you know, being bested by Miyagi? You know what I mean? In all and, fairness, it would be kind of hard to pick up a trophy that was broken into many pieces when your hands in shreds. That that too, yeah, absolutely. See, I, I kind of forgot that for a sec. Um, and also, you know, again, I'm kind of jumping ahead. We kind of know where Crease is at at this point in his life. It, did he really carry those pieces with him this whole time, or did he get it fixed and just humped it around? Yeah, hoping? yeah, that's what I'm saying. I yeah. mean, it is odd that he would be holding on to that for 34 years. Right. So that's why I don't think it's really the one, but it could be. You know, we don't know. We can find out. Uh, or we. I was going to say, somebody out there has had to have done some kind of screenshot by screenshot comparison of the two trophies. And even if they did, I mean, it—it's—I'm sure they did their damnest to make it look exactly like it. True, true. You know, so perhaps one day on a Q and A, we can uh, get that answered. Yeah, one uh, day. Unless that spoils something for season three, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, at this point, at the time of this recording, has not yet been official. I mean, I—I—I I, I, I can't imagine them not having a season three with the way things ended. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Kreese walks out of the dojo, and Johnny's like, hey, hold on. And looks like he's a hook, line, and sinker, right? Is that the expression? It is indeed. Uh, It's definitely a a great foundation to start a series, or at least a season. I I thought it was just a very, very good episode all around. Yep. And then we see the end snake. Hell yeah, it popped. Yeah, it really did 3D. Um, yeah, it, that's something that we learned from Hayden Schlossberg. Uh, was doing a trivia in our group one day, asking what that logo is at the at the very end, and the answer is End Snake. So, uh, and Cobra Kai mom Mandy, she uh, shared like a screenshot of like a script that at the end of every script it says End Snake. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That is so awesome. Yeah. So that's it. That That is our wrap-up for the first episode of Season 2, Mercy Part 2. And, and can I just say, I'm looking at the uh, the time on our recorder. I love the fact that for a 30-minute episode, we're already an hour and 28 minutes into it. I, I love that. I mean, that's how dense this show is. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. And that's why we wanted to do individual episodes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's your overall impression of this, sir? This episode? Yeah. Oh, I enjoyed it. It's it's a hell of a first episode. Uh, a lot of going on, a lot of uh, subplots. You know, you got Johnny and Daniel. You got um, Johnny and Crease, Johnny and Robbie, Daniel and Robbie, Sam and Miguel. A lot of going on. A lot of threads. Yeah, I mean, they, they laid the foundation very well in this. I can't, I mean, I can't praise this highly enough. I mean, it's one of the better season premieres I've seen in a long time. Yeah, it did not disappoint. Um, some of the things kind of going into it, we were told there's going to be a lot more ass kicking, and they delivered. Yeah, within like the first five minutes. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they really did. So, a new segment that I kind of teased earlier in this episode is that uh, we don't have a name for it yet, but it's it's a new segment. Basically, our, uh, you know, friend of the show, Brianna, who is uh, part of the team here, uh, you know, the official uh, fact checker and, and all of that, we're going to bring her on to bring up any Easter eggs that she caught in this episode. Yeah, yeah, I bring it on, yeah. I would tell you about my first girlfriend. So, Brianna, here you are, uh, back on the show again for this new segment that you'll be spearheading. Um, yes, I, I guess this is, this is <laughs> what I do now. Um, uh, I don't have a name. I'm not that creative. So we'll just call it whatever, I guess. The whatever. Um, I, I think I maybe suggested uh, Karate Kid Connection. You know, I, maybe because it's Easter egg related. I, I don't know. I, but you know, I'm, maybe... I'm kind of leery of that many K's in a row. Oh, damn it. You're right. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> yes. so we should probably stay away from that one. But right. something something Karate Kid or, or Easter Egg Hunt or something you know, like that. Yeah, yeah or, or just the Easter eggs. You know, we could just call it that. Yeah, that'll yeah. work. Okay. All right, uh, which um, I want to give a shout out to Rick because he did just start like a thread today about Easter eggs. So, Rick, this is in no way stepping on that thread you started. Oh, I can honestly say I've been so busy on the other page for the last four hours since I got off work that oh, I Lord. honestly have not even been on the companion page. So if I repeat anything anyone said over there, I didn't get it from you, I promise. Right. Yeah, um, I, we weren't trying to do that either. But uh, yeah. Easter egg thread away over in the group, but this is going to be something that we, we would like to incorporate for those that are not in the group and are unable to read those. Right. Um, and on this one for, um, for Mercy Part 2, one of the things that I noticed right off the bat, this is either chock full of Easter eggs or there are very, very few, depending on how you look at it, because most of them are so blatant that they're not even Easter eggs at that point. They're homages and they're just, you know, what they are. Mm -hmm. um, this would include the I like that, I like that line. Thank you. Yeah, I definitely picked that up. From Crease. Um, pretty well everything Daniel and Robbie right. is the Karate Kid. Johnny and Crease's fight um, and Johnny getting chucked into the mirror uh, that is absolutely the Karate Kid Part 3, where Mr. Miyagi threw Terry into the mirror. Mm -hmm. 
We've got not really Easter egg because it's, you know, a huge part of the of the plot of or not the plot of the episode, but the set dressing of the episode is we do have a 1951 Cadillac and a Nash Metropolitan sitting in Mr. Miyagi's front yard. We also have a 1940s Chevy pickup, which apparently Daniel went and found the person who bought it and bought it back from them. Um, because Mr. Miyagi actually sold that truck in Karate Kid Part 3, but missing is the 1952 Woody Station Wagon. The kids are at Applebee's, which is not necessarily... with well, The victory party is at Applebee's, which is not necessarily a throwback to the Karate Kid, because I don't think we had Applebee's in 1984, but is most definitely a nod back to the incident at Applebee's that should have taught Johnny to keep his hands to himself from Season 1. And when Carmen is talking to Johnny, this one was a little bit more subtle. When she brings the Trace Leches over to the house and she's talking about Miguel, um, the story that she recites to him, that they had only been there a few months, that Miguel had had all of these problems, and she never would have imagined that only a few months later there would be an arena full of people screaming his name. That story is Daniel's. Right. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would say that that is an Easter egg and confirmation that Miguel is the new Karate Kid, at least as of this point in time. Um, when Johnny, and, and this was from the, the what type of Cobra would you, you know, rather be teaser as well, when he's harping on Hawk and Miguel, he's particularly fierce in his condemnation of Miguel. And it's the, you, ta- you attacked him when he was injured. You attacked him when he was injured. That is not Johnny yelling at Miguel, I don't think, so much as that is Johnny yelling, yelling at Johnny. himself, yep. For doing that to Daniel. Um, another subtle one, Johnny sitting at the desk in the office reading an article about Miguel winning the All-Valley Tournament is almost identical to Priest sitting at his desk in his office reading an article about Daniel doing the same. Um, there is, of course, the mention of Judy, the girlfriend right. from Newark. Yep, we brought and that up. And specifically that she had pretty eyes because he had he'd talked about, you know, is she as pretty as Judy? And he, oh, Ma, she buries Judy. And he was talking about how beautiful Judy was. Um, Allie, of course, he mentions by name. The story after that one is Kumiko. And the story after that one, I'm guessing, is Jessica. That, that's what but, I was saying as well. Like, you know, uh, apparently, you know, so I guess my thought was that maybe he was into her, but the fact that she had the boyfriend in Columbus, that's why they never really hooked up. But, you know, they did go out dancing and had their date and stuff. Right, right. And, and of course, my personal theory on that has always been the reason Daniel and Jessica weren't a thing is because Ralph was 27 and... um Robin Lively was 16. Oh, so, wow. I didn't realize she was that young. I, no, I didn't yes, either. She okay. was she was 16 when they filmed. Um, I think that, I can't remember who the original actress that was cast was, but she, she was like 20. And I think that if she had not backed out, that Daniel and Jessica would have been a thing. Because um, it would have been much less creepy that way. Um, then when Crease is talking about He's, you know, he spent all these years regretting that night, but he doesn't mention specifically what it is he regrets. Does he regret telling Bobby to dislocate Daniel's knee? Does he regret making Johnny pounce on it? Does he regret strangling Johnny, breaking his trophy, whatever? 
the big part that stood out there as the callback, direct callback, obviously, to the movie is he said, I couldn't stand, I can't stand seeing you lose. Um, and the fact that he did have Bobby try to cripple Daniel for life before Johnny faced him kind of makes me wonder if, even though Kreese later says, I always thought you were the better fighter, did he honestly think Johnny would have lost to Daniel? Um, the fixing Johnny's trophy, uh, that's not so much an Easter egg as another blatant one, of course, because... You know, it, it, Johnny's trophy being broken was a huge, huge thing. Um, and that one kind of took me by surprise because in Ace Degenerate, we see a trophy in Johnny's closet that looks very distorted and malformed. And I always thought that was that one. I thought Johnny had it. That's what I thought, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, so to find out that for some reason, standing there with his bloody knuckles, Crease picked up all the pieces of this trophy. And put it back together and has had it all these years is really kind of bizarre. Yeah, um, we agree. Or, you know, did he duplicate it one way or the other? Master manipulator, puppet master. Mm-hmm. When he walks out of the dojo, he is in almost the exact same posture with almost the exact same expression on his face as he is when he's walking down the street at the beginning of Karate Kid Part 3, with the exception that this time his student is not walking out on him he's following him which completely changes the expression on his face mm-hmm. because he's a manipulative little bastard and then the big <laughs> one to me is there is a parallel between sam and mr miyagi and it's a rather large one uh that she does not want to fight her friends even though they are not her friends anymore and that is mr miyagi and sato all right see that's why you are the official fact checker well i mean these these are the things these are they're not necessarily easter eggs that were put there intentionally you know as we get further in the in the series and in the season there are some that are much more blatant and they are obviously homages not only to the characters and the movie but to the actors themselves and other things they have done outside of the universe um but these are things that reminded me right of you know, the original and even even something as small as the way Daniel opens the doors and walks out onto the deck reminded me of the way that Mr. Miyagi opened the doors and walked out onto the deck to look down um, when Daniel was done sanding them. It, it just little bitty things. Everything reminds me of something. Yeah. Pretty and, well. and that's why I wanted to kind of like uh, create this, this segment and, and have you uh, write down all these things because th- this this was your and culture isn't the word I'm looking for, but this was your lifestyle, the the, the Karate Kid universe. I was just a big fan of the my, movie growing my up. My 35 year obsession. I'm yeah. as obsessed with this as, as Johnny and Daniel are. Yes. Yeah. Um, I guess. Yeah. Your words, not mine. But uh, yeah, I I feel that the listeners would really enjoy um, hearing some of this, and you know, maybe it'll enhance their viewing going back and rewatching the episode now. That would be my hope as well. Um, and if anybody gets anything out of this, then fantastic. If I missed any, which I'm absolutely sure I did, because I I've only watched at this point seven times. So I'm sure there's stuff I've missed, but, you know, somebody else just hit me up and let me know what I missed on it. Yeah, I, I think what you got was awesome. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. I, of course, there were other things that, you know, made me think of other movies, 
But if we're going to hold it strictly to the Karate Kid, this is what I have. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. We'll just keep it at that. Yeah, yeah. If you go into just the the '80s in general, uh, this is going to be a very long segment in every episode. Right. Right. Oh yeah. So <laughs> um, yeah. Do you have anything else to add before we let you go? I do not. Okay. Well, thank you so much for popping in uh, on this evening to uh, share us what you had. No problem. Thanks for bringing me in. So uh, something that we were unable to do when we reviewed the first season um, was have, you know, member feedback or listener feedback, because, again, you know, you mentioned it on that episode of Jake and Tom Conquered the World, where we did the before and after watching Cobra Kai season one. We mentioned at the time of that recording that we only had half a dozen members in the group, you know, just a, a fresh, brand new, brand spanking new podcast. Uh, we have a group, you know, with over 500 members at this point, uh, very active, uh, a lot of different threads to talk about, you know, specific topics and stuff. So uh, we did reach out to them and said, hey, you guys got feedback? Because we want them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, obviously worded nicer, you know. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, if you have that pulled up, I figured, you know, we just kind of take turns going down the list. Yep. And let's see here. The very first feedback is from Melanie M. She says, I admittedly didn't love the first episode. Some not great acting on part of the younger actors. It really picked up, though. Honestly, I thought that the young actors did did a pretty good job. But, I mean, maybe it's only because I've watched it twice. But I'll uh, check it out again. Yeah, I honestly, I didn't see them act any different than they did in season one. So I don't know if she thought that maybe they dropped in their acting. Or I, I'm not sure. Um, you know, not everybody's going to agree on everything. But uh, I thought they did fine with what they had. All right, so the next bit of feedback that we have is from Mike Masunas. He says, excellent first episode. The fight with Kreese was kick-ass. Miguel, who started going to the dark side at the end of season one, begins his journey to being the most honorable of the characters the entire season after he gets yelled at by Johnny. And you know what? I think that's fair. I, I mm -hmm. I think Johnny really got through to him with that message. And... Maybe he didn't get through to Hawk the same way, and maybe, uh, you know, again, in later episodes, uh, we'll see exactly what the difference between those two characters are. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that as well, and I, I don't think he got through to Hawk because he spends more time with Miguel. You know, he had that one-on-one, -on -one, says that I see the potential in you, and... You know, I wasn't trained this, and basically, I want you to be better than me. He's not having any of these talks with yeah. Hawk. And and again, Hawk's looking at it from the point of view of, hey, you told me to win at any cost, and now you're punishing me for doing what you're telling me to do. So, yeah, I mean, it's I, I thought it was really very well handled, especially again, not to keep uh, saying the same thing over and over again, but for what wasn't said as much as what was said. Right. Um, all right, the next one comes from Amy S. She says, I love Johnny for having the confidence to stamp to Crease and tell him to his face that he ruined his life. Johnny has no shame in admitting that someone hurt him even if he ultimately falls for it again. I fucking hate Crease for that manipulative trophy bullshit. I'm going to be mad about that for a long time. And you know what? I, 
I've uh, actually had this conversation with my wife a lot of times where she she can't watch a show because she hates a character so much. And I told you and I told her, listen, the fact that you feel this way about the character means that the writers, the directors, the actors, they did their job. They're trying to be hated. Right. And I got to give that uh, same compliment to Martin Cove as well as everybody behind the scenes of this episode. You're supposed to hate him. Mm-hmm. You know, so job well done, folks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Kaz M says, so episode one only? Hmm. Can we discuss how that was one of the coolest openings ever? We never see Kreese win a fight, so to see him manhandle a, well, man, was an incredible treat. Even when Johnny hit his back, Kreese placed one hand over the pain and defended with one hand. What a man. Also, in regards to Johnny's flashback scene as a child, I feel they need to give up I feel they need to give up the dosage way more. Give us more insights. And uh, Amy S. also compliment, uh, uh, commented on that and says, and the kid playing young Johnny is so good. He looks a lot like Billy Zapka, too. He really, really does. Uh, you know what? I'm with Kaz on this. I, I thought that the opening scene was one of the best cold openings I'd seen in a very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really established instantly who these characters are, what they're capable of instantly. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought it was very well done. And where they are in their relationship. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it was great. Yeah. Uh, I, it's really hard for me to kind of even think back now. Did you anticipate them fighting? No. No, yeah. I did not. Uh, again, because I, I didn't see that last trailer. So this was all a, a kind of a, a blind experience to me. Right. And I, I I think we didn't anticipate one until we saw like that teaser, you know, the, the with the yeah yeah that 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 uh, which cobra would you want to be with the broken glass, the right. smoke uh, damage? Yeah, I, I thought something went down, but I I just didn't think it was going to be that brutal. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, hey, hats off to Hirokota, the stunt coordinator, you know, for choreographing these fights. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So hopefully he gets a nom and a win this time. It would be nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one comes from Mike P. Johnny showed mercy on Crease and it cost him. Talk about a foreshadowing. Indeed. Honestly, yeah. I mean, maybe if he had just kept his uh, pressure on the carotid artery enough to knock him out, that would have been enough to have Crease scurry away like a snake in the grass. Mm-hmm. And again, wouldn't have been for a uh, wouldn't made a very interesting or dramatic season, but it would have made life a lot easier for these characters. Right, right. I agree with that too. Lupe G says, if it wasn't Robbie getting hurt and losing in the finals, would Johnny have still called out Miguel and Hawk in front of the class? Uh, to which uh, Kevin S says, to be honest, I doubt it. I just think Robbie getting hurt was just him learning the hard way. And honestly, I'm not sure. I kind of think it was a combination of, of I, I definitely think that uh, the fact that it was Robbie who was getting hurt played an influence, but it was also seeing 
the change that he instilled in Miguel. I, I think that definitely had a big, big part in his approach to how he wants to take Cobra Kai. Right. I, I don't. I, I think that's kind of getting lost in the mix here. I mean, yeah, it's I mean, definitely a combination yeah. of the two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, ABS added one more thing. I love that Johnny evidently assigned over the top as homework, which we discussed. I was going to say, I, I don't know what else to add to that other than, you know, make sure you plant your feet when you uh, arm wrestle someone. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that it's Amy S that made that comment about over the top, I, I feel we might get some shit for that now. <laughs> Remember, I heard about me uh, asking a spoiler to uh, Mr. Hurwitz on Twitter and, <laughs> took them a while to let that go Jim R says I admire Johnny for having hopes that people can change and for believing in second chances but Chris is a snake a cobra I, I agree <laughs> with that Yeah, I, I think it is kind of I think Johnny is being the bigger person in trying to give what is obviously a very dangerous person a chance to redeem themselves Right. I I feel like this is his redemption, too. Like, if he can forgive, maybe uh, things will just kind of work out better for him. You know, karma and all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the next one comes from Johnny S. Great show, indeed. And I think we agree. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dorian T. says, The second place trophy was a nice touch. But even I could see Crease's ulterior motive. And again, Crease uh, is just a... You know what? He's a great villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know what else to add to that. Except, yeah, right on. Yeah, he really is. I'm, I'm sure he's um, on, on the list of like top villains on you know all different types of websites and such. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the last bit of feedback comes from Robert H., Thoughts on Mr. Miyagi's truck being lined up with his cars when he sold his truck in Karate Kid Part 3 to buy bonsai trees. You know what? That's a good point. And I, I didn't even think about that, to be honest with you. I was more like, oh, damn, those are all the trucks. But I forgot that he sold the truck. Daniel got pissed off because he risked his life to go get the bonsai tree in the Devil's Cauldron. Um, but maybe... I, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess my assumption is that Daniel... Um, went to go buy it back. Well, I mean, not only that, but I'd imagine being in the industry that da- that Daniel's in, I'd imagine that he could put out some feelers looking for that exact make and model of truck. Uh, and, you know, he has a body shop at his disposal. If he wanted to customize it, he could. So it's very possible that it might not be the exact same truck, but it was just made to look like the exact same truck. Oh, yeah. Hey, I, I agree with that as well. And I didn't even finish reading, like, the um, like Dorian and Amy also added to it. Basically, they're saying the same thing, that, like, maybe he just bought it back. But, you know, for certain collectors, if you can't get the exact, you know, item that you want, you get the next best thing, you know, a replica. You you make your own, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so... Uh, so that's it. That's the rest of the feedback. I want to thank you, everybody, for leaving that. You know, it's pretty yeah, much our very first you. one for uh, an episode review. Yeah, I think uh, we ought to continue that going forward. 
So if you want to leave feedback like those other members, you could uh, join our group. It is on Facebook. Just search www.kobakai. Period TV A and B group, and you spell out the words period. We do have one request, which you will see when you send that、uh, request for our approval. Very simple, just read the instructions, type in what we asked you to, and we'll approve you.、Uh, we have threads for individual episodes, so you could talk about all the spoilers, which I think I mentioned earlier.、Um, a lot of great group of people, very respectful to one another for the most part.、Um, but I think we do have a good good time in there. Absolutely, we do. So, if you want to follow us on other social medias, you can follow us on Twitter at Cobra Kai Pod and on Instagram at Cobra Kai Podcast.、Uh, Tom, do you do anything else where listeners might be able to check you out? Absolutely,、uh, I am the、uh, co-host and producer of a little show that I am actually、uh, kind of proud of.、Uh, it's called Jake and Tom Conquer the World. We、uh, look at、uh, the world of superheroes and pop culture and、uh, everything in between. You can find us wherever you、uh, get your、uh, favorite podcasts. On uh, and uh, if you want to contact me on Twitter, you can find me at the Drunken Dork on Facebook. You can reach out to me at. Jake and Tom conquer the group. That's right. And for me, I do host a a、uh, retro movie review podcast called Podstalgic. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Podstalgic.、Um, but if you're a newer listener to this show, please consider going back and checking out some of the interviews we've done.、Uh, again, we've done over 20 interviews with cast members from Cobra Kai, the showrunners.、Uh, we've you know interviewed actors from the original movies as well, some of the fan favorites. Uh, check it out. Plenty of、uh, content to uh, digest. Um, we got trailer reviews and things of that nature. And、um, so that's gonna do it for this episode. Want to thank you guys for checking this out. And until the next episode, just remember, the '80s was the best era ever. <laughs> Noise. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Cortem Parts Podcast Network. To listen to more Cortem Parts shows, visit cortemparts.com.